very thankful for this precious opportunity that God's given us to meet together here in the house of the Lord. Um, we do have brothers and sisters in Christ that are in the parking lot this morning listening on our AM radio transmission system. And uh, even though they're not in the building with us, they're here with us today worshiping the Lord. And we always give an opportunity for them uh, to let you know on the inside that they're out there. And if you're out in the parking lot this morning and you can hear my voice, let everybody in the church house know you're there by, by tooting your horn. How about that? I look forward to getting a few amens on those horn toots this morning. We trust the Lord would bless you to be filled with the Spirit and blow your horn if I, if I said something good. I'd ask that each one of you would, uh, would someone toot your horn then, didn't they? <laughs> I would ask that each one of you would pray for me as I stand before you this morning. It's just been quite some time since I even put forth an effort in this portion of Scripture that's found in Exodus chapter 30. We certainly want to be mindful of the time this morning. I, I know many of you have plans this afternoon, and we trust the Lord would, would bless us to preach the gospel and also give us enough sense to, to not wear, wear the crowd out uh, this morning in the efforts. In Exodus chapter 30, we're being introduced to a... Uh, to an article of furniture that's found in the, in the tabernacle in the wilderness. I'd like to begin reading this morning uh, the first eight verses of this chapter. This is written by inspiration of God, uh, by the prophet Moses. And it reads in verse 1 of Exodus chapter 30, And thou shalt make an altar to burn incense upon. Of Shidom wood shalt thou make it. A cubit shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof. Four square shall it be, and two cubits shall be the height thereof. The horns thereof shall be of the same, and thou shalt overlay it with pure gold. The top thereof, and the sides thereof round about, and the horns thereof, and thou shalt make unto it a crown of gold round about. And two golden rings shall thou make to it under the crown of it, by the two corners thereof, upon the two sides of it shall thou make it. And they shall be for places for the staves to bear it withal. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold. And thou shalt put in before the veil, thou shalt put it before the veil that is by the ark of the testimony, before the mercy seat that is over the testimony, where I will meet with thee. And Aaron, that's Moses' brother, shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning. When he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. And when Aaron lighteth the lamps at even, he shall burn incense upon it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. If we continue reading in this chapter, you'll notice in verse 22, 23, and 24, we read of some of the, the spices and the balms that were used to make this incense. If you notice verse 33 through verse 38, you get more information concerning the balm of the spices that's used to make the, the ointment for the incense of, of this altar. And you'll also find that that, that compound... That ointment could not be used for anything else 
It could not be used to put upon a man's flesh. They could not make that ointment to be used in any other way. That was something that would be unique, used in the tabernacle of service in the wilderness and used in the incense altar that there would be a perpetual incense burning upon that, that altar. When we read this here in Exodus chapter 30, we're reading of events that, that took place when the children of Israel were in the wilderness. They were there for 40 years. God had brought them out of Egyptian bondage. God had drawn them from that bondage with his power. And when they were in the wilderness, God met with Moses on Mount Sinai and gave him the law. His moral law, the ceremonial law, and of course the civil laws were given to Moses. This is part of the ceremonial law and how they would serve the Lord. God, by his power, had drawn them out of Egyptian bondage. And now God gives them this service that they could draw nigh unto him in fellowship and communion. Wow, that sounds like just some good old primitive Baptist hard shell doctrine, doesn't it? God has drawn us to him with the effectual call to life. And God gives us this opportunity that we could draw nigh to him, his children, in his service. Now fellowship and communion with him. In that, God giving them that opportunity to commune and fellowship with him, God gave them this pattern, the tabernacle and the priesthood, that they could serve him there in the wilderness. This, this tabernacle in the wilderness was a structure that was probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 by 75 feet in dimension. It was going to be 100 cubics long, 50 cubics wide, which an average cubic was going to be about 18 to 21 inches, so... We're making reference to something that's about 150 feet long and 75 feet wide. Within the structure of the tabernacle tent, there were articles of furniture. If this building were the tabernacle, and I realize it's not the perfect dimension, the first article of furniture that someone would come in contact with if they came in the gate, and let's say the back door here at the church was the gate of the tabernacle, would be a five-by-five five brazen altar. That brazen altar would be sitting just about where Sister Dale is sitting this morning. That's where the brazen altar would be. That's where they would make a sacrifice before the priest could go any further in service in that tabernacle. There would have to be a sacrifice on that altar. Before anyone can go forward in fellowship and communion with God, there's going to have to be an altar satisfied. And Jesus, he satisfied the altar of sacrifice when he gave his life on the cross. The next article of furniture would be just before it would be a brazen laver. It's the place where the priest could wash and cleanse himself after he had made the sacrifice. Then within the tent itself there'd be another structure that actually had a ceiling on it and it was going to be 30 cubics by 10 cubics and you could still do the measurement with the 18 to 21 inches and it was divided up into two sections. The first section was going to be 20 by 10. It, would, it was known as the sanctuary. Within the sanctuary, there would be a candlestick on one side. There would be a table of showbread on the other side. And right in the center of the sanctuary, there would be this golden altar of, of incense. Then there would be another veil. And there would be another room that the high priest would only go into once a year. And it was known as the holiest of all. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was, overlaid with the mercy seat with the cherubims. And he would go in once a year, and he would sprinkle blood upon that mercy seat, and that was the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. He would go in and make that sacrifice for the children of Israel that they could continue to have fellowship 
in communion with God. Here in Exodus chapter 30, we're referring to this golden altar of incense that was in the sanctuary. But according to the Apostle Paul in Hebrews chapter 9, it would be taken into the holiest of all once, once a year. And upon this, they would burn incense. It would have this, this bomb, this compound that was in it, and the fire was taken from that altar, the altar that God lit. No strange fire could be used. It had to be fire that was given by the Lord using a specific compound, and that incense would be burned, and it would be a perpetual incense unto the Lord. And I know what you're thinking, Brother Ronnie, there's a lot of information in history, but what does that have to do with with us? Before we consider what it has to do with us, let's consider what it did for them. When you consider all that was happening around that tabernacle, there was an, an incredible foul odor in that area. When you consider all the, the beasts that were killed and the slaughter of animals and those animals being burned and the blood of those animals and it being taken and placed upon the mercy seat, there was an incredible foul odor there at that tabernacle. Anyone that's ever been around the death of animals knows there's an extreme foul odor. Now, I know all of you know I like to ride a bicycle. And here in Union County, we have a huge population of deers. A huge population. If you can live in Union County and deer hunt and can't shoot a deer, you, you need some help, brothers and sisters. When you're riding a bicycle, that huge population of deers, it's, 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 it's going to happen. A vehicle is going to hit one of those deers. And when you're on a bicycle, you can only turn your head so far when you're breathing hard and climbing a hill. And I want to tell you, it's got a smell. The death of animals has an incredible foul odor. It, it, it stinks. It stinks. Also, when you consider the individuals in that service, you know, they didn't have... Old Spice back then. They didn't have degree deodorants back then. Estee Lauder, Mary Kay didn't exist back then. And those men that were in that priesthood that wore all those garments, if you go to Exodus chapter 28 and you read about all the garments they wore, I mean, those men sweat. And I want to tell you, you get around some men that's sweating, it begins to stink. Just ask Brother Kim and Brother C.W. about working with me this week. I was covered in sweat working. Yeah, it begins, they begin to stink. When you consider all that foul odor, I, I, bet, I bet that's a tough place to be around. I bet that's a tough place to walk into for a priest, would you say? Don't you know they stepped in that tent and thought, wow, boy, this, this place just, just stinks. But when they had that incense, that incense burning, and it would burn from that golden altar of incense for a perpetual offering unto the Lord, couldn't smell the death. You couldn't even smell the stench of the men that were in there laboring. I bet anyone that was close by to the tabernacle couldn't smell it. All they could smell was that sweet incense that was burning perpetually under the Lord. That's what it meant for them. But what does that mean to us? Just as those individuals lived in an environment that had a stench 
There's a lot of stench about this world. There's a lot of stench about us. When you consider what the Bible has to say about sin, the Bible doesn't say sin smells good. The Bible teaches us of sin, it's, it's like something that's polluted. You remember in Ezekiel chapter 16 when God passed by, given this allegorical language of Israel, he saw them polluted in their own blood. How many of you have went by a pond or a lake that had been polluted and all the dead fish that was there and just the stench? It's like, wow, this place stinks. When you think about man being polluted in his own blood in sin, just think how we smell to God in sin and him being perfect and righteous and holy. The Bible teaches us in sin we are corrupt. Corruption smells. It's got a stench. Think about how we smell to a thrice holy God in heaven. But the Bible teaches us of the Lord Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 2, Paul calls on us, he called on the church of Ephesus as well as us to walk in love, keeping this in mind that Christ also loved us and offered himself a sacrifice unto God for a sweet-smelling savor. Just as that incense altar and that incense covered the foul odor of all the death that existed around that tabernacle, what the Lord Jesus Christ has done for us has covered everything that caused is a foul stench in the eyes, the nose of God from us. What that means is the Lord now, because what Jesus done, he cannot smell the stink, but all he smells is the sweet savor of Jesus Christ and what he's done. Of myself, I stink in sin, but by the grace of God and what he's done for me, that odor does not exist in heaven in the throne of God because Jesus Christ, just as that golden altar of incense, covered all the smell, Jesus has covered all your bad odor. You know, the Bible teaches us that by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our sins have been cast behind God's back. How can you be cast behind the back of one that can see everything? That's amazing sacrifice. Would you agree? The Bible teaches us in Micah chapter 7 and verse 19 by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, our sins have been cast into the bottom of the sea. That's in a place where they can't be found. And praise God, when we get to heaven, according to Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1, there'll be no more sea. What that means is God, by the grace of God in the Lord Jesus Christ, cast our sins in the bottom of the sea. And when we get to heaven, the place where they are cast is gone. How's that from being separated from your sins as far as the east is from the west? The Bible teaches us that by the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, that sweet-smelling savor, that our sins have been wiped from the memory of God. Hebrews chapter 8 and verse 12, He'll be merciful to our transgressions and our sins and iniquity. He will remember no more. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3, by himself, the Lord Jesus Christ has purged our sins. He's done away with them by a sweet-smelling savor unto God. Now, aren't you glad when we get to heaven, God's not going to be looking at you and saying, wow, you've got the stench of sin. No, all he's going to smell on you is what Jesus Christ done for you. And when we get to heaven, we're all going to smell good in the sight of God. How about that? 
Is that good news? That's good news. That incense altar covered all that stench. But not only did that incense altar that was taken into the holiest of all that would be perpetually before the Lord have that good smell in the holiest of all, it also had that good smell in the sanctuary where the priests would go in and out and serve God. So not only did it affect what was in the holiest of all, it affected them in the sanctuary. Perpetual burning of incense. When I think about that, I think about me in the service of the Lord. You know, when I examine myself and I think about my faults and failures and how I come short, I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul would say of himself. I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. I think about my shortcomings and how I fall short and my unworthiness to be in the house of the Lord. But the Bible teaches us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 15, we are now a sweet-smelling savor unto God. How are we that sweet-smelling savor? Because not only did the sacrifice of Jesus Christ satisfy the Father in heaven, it also covers our uncomely parts right now. It covers us as God's children right now so that I can come before the Lord. Even today, a person who still has a sinful nature and worship God and fellowship with Him today. You know, the devil would like to speak in your ear, whisper in your ear, and tell you you're not worthy to be in the house of the Lord. And I want to tell you by your works, you're not worthy to be in the house of the Lord. But we're not here today because we're worthy of our own works. We're here today because the Lord Jesus Christ and what He's done for us has made us a sweet-smelling savor unto God. I think about Mephibosheth. You remember Mephibosheth in 2 Samuel chapter 9? Mephibosheth was a man that was lame on his feet. He couldn't walk. He was a man that had to walk on crutches. He was a man that when he was born, he was born an enemy to David. But before he was born, David with his father Jonathan made a covenant for that boy. And that covenant was that David would show Mephibosheth mercy all the days of his life. And after the death of Jonathan, David remembered his covenant and he called Mephibosheth there to his home, showed that grace, and Mephibosheth ate at the king's table as one of the king's sons. Now, don't you know someone would walk in and they'd see that little cripple boy there. They'd see Solomon and all his wisdom. They'd see Adonijah and all that. They'd see Absalom and all his good looks. They'd look at Mephibosheth and they'd say, what is that boy doing here? That boy don't need to be here. That boy's Saul's grandson. That boy right there is your enemy, David. That boy's a cripple boy. He ain't fit to be here. But David would say this. He would say, he's not here. Because he's fit in his own self. He's not here because he's so good looking and special. He's here because there was a covenant that was made for him. He's here because there'd be mercy bestowed upon him. And when Mephibosheth would sit at the king's table and the cloth that king's table would cover his legs, they could nobody see what was wrong with that boy. He would look just as good as any of the king's sons. And by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the sweet smell and savor that he's made unto the Father in my room instead, I can come to this house and I can sit down at the king's table and commune with him just as I am the king's son by his grace. Praise God. It's his grace that's made me fit to be here in his house. The Apostle Paul would tell the church at Colossae, in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 12, we should be thanking the Father who has made us meet to be partakers 
of the inheritance of the saints in light. What does that mean? That means God's grace has made us fit. Some will say, Brother Ronnie, I'm not fit to be a member of the church. I ain't either. I ain't fit of my own self to be a member of the church. I ain't good enough to sit down with such a great people. I remember what David was saying in the Old Testament. Who am I? Who am I that I would come to the Lord's house? Who am I that I could have fellowship with God? I'm a nobody. I'm a less than nothing. But by God's grace and that sweet smell of savor of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, I have a place here in the king's house. And you, dear child of God, if you've got a burden for your sins, if you long to fellowship with God, if you want to be closer to the Lord, it's evidence that God has already saved you by his grace. And if you're waiting to get better, in your own mind to be a member of the church. It ain't going to happen. It's time to come forward. Today is the day that we come forward. Ask for a home in the Lord's church because by His grace, just as the stones were made ready before they were brought hither in Solomon's house, God's grace and the gospel has made you ready to have this place in the kingdom of God. And by His grace, you're as good as anyone else in this house. Somebody needs to amen that. Sweet smelling savor. Now think about those men that were in that service and the foul odors they must have had. Wow. I mean, can you imagine just being around somebody that had all those clothes on and it all weighted down? I mean, it didn't have no obsession, eternity cologne to cover it up. Then I bet when they'd walk outside, I bet, no, they wouldn't. All they could smell was that sweet incense on. So when it's around all that sweet incense, it, it get on them. And that's all you can smell. I'll tell you, nobody likes to be around anybody that stinks real bad, right? <laughs> nobody wants to be around that. I'm going to tell you a story about a guy I used to work with years ago. I just finished school. And I was working part-time with Elder Stan Lee. And it's good to see Sister Jennifer here this morning. I was working part-time with him, and I was working in the shop. And I was telling Brother Stan, he and I was actually going up Hogpen Gap one day. And I was telling him about this. I said, Brother Stan, I said, I got a guy that's working with me. And I said, he's a good old fella. He's a good old farm boy. I said, but, but that fella, he don't take a bath but about once a week. And I will tell you, they can't get any of the schoolboys to work with him. I mean, that fella would work sometimes all week. God bless his heart. He'd be so nasty. I mean, you could take his blue jeans and you could stand him in the corner. Well, the maintenance manager, he'd come to me and he'd say, you know, Ronnie, he said, would you work with him? I can't get nobody else to work with him. And I said, he's a good guy. I said, he'll work hard. I said, and I like him. I said, he's honest as day is long. I said, but the reason they won't work with him, he won't take a bath. I said, why can't you get the district engineer to go to him just tell him to take a bath? Well, we don't want to hurt his feelings. And I said, well, you may not want to hurt his feelings, but he's hurting everybody else. That poor fellow, he came into work one day, and he told us all about a, a nanny goat that he had died. He said, I had a nanny goat. He died this week. He said, and she had little ones. He said, and my wife and I, we're going to bring those little ones in the house. And one of them young boys in the shop said, wow, well, that's going to be a rough smell. And, of course, I know y'all know I was just as smart as I grew up bigger. <laughs> I said, yeah, but we hope the Lord would bless those goats to put up with it. <laughs> Wanted to work with that guy. 
Can you think about those priests in the Old Testament and them working just how bad they would stink? Nobody didn't even want to be around them. But when they was around that incense, that burning incense, and it was on their clothes, you couldn't, you couldn't smell the stench. When I think about that, I think about me. Yeah, I'm thankful for the fellowship I have with brothers and sisters in the church, but I'm also thankful for this. You don't know everything about me. I'm sorry there's some things about me that you do know. You know, Brother Kim Honeycutt, he's at my house this week. He'd never really been around me that much at the house. And I'm afraid Brother Kim may have learned a lot about me this week that he didn't know. Now, Brother C. Davies already got used to it. <laughs> Old Brother Neil, I remember Brother Neil, he'd hang around me, and I, I was always joking with Brother Neil. Brother Neil, he'd say, you know, Brother Ron, he said, you talk about a lot of things we can't even talk at the church about. Just joking around, you know, telling all kinds of Jerry Clower stories and stuff like that. I'm glad folks don't know everything about me. I'm sorry there's some things about me you, you do know that I wish you didn't know. There's a lot about me that I don't, I don't like myself. And I'm sure sometimes you have days that you wake up and there's a lot about you that you wish you didn't have. There's a lot of things probably about you you don't want the church to know about. I'll be honest with you, the church probably don't want to know about it. And we come to the house of God, and we come together, and we worship the Lord. Aren't you glad that the sweet incense, the Lord Jesus Christ, he covers all that so that we have fellowship one with another? <laughs> There's a lot about me that I wish I hadn't done. I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. And experience is a good teacher. But I'm glad the incense of the Lord Jesus Christ, it covers up all that so that I can come and fellowship with the children of God. See, that incense that we have here in the house of God, it's got a word. It's called charity. Charity, that's the word. See, charity is only possible if we got the Lord in us and we have the presence of the Lord with us. That's it. It's the only way it's possible. The Apostle Peter, he calls on a congregation, he said, And above all things, have fervent charity among yourself, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins, just as that incense would cover up those bad odors of that priest. How the charity of the Lord being in our presence, him being in our hearts, him being in our presence, that charity covers up a multitude of sins, so you're able to put up with my bad parts. You're able to look over my failures, you ever looked over me not being what I should be in the house of God? You know, when you have that and that incense, it's easy to forgive people. Why? You can't even smell what they did wrong. The Bible says, Be ye kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. And that smell of incense, when it's in the house, in the presence of the Lord, wow, we can't even smell the wrongs in one another. We can all just get along. Have you ever thought about the apostles that Jesus called and how different they were? I mean, you really think about it, them being out in the world, I don't know how they got along. I mean, you got men that were fishermen by trade. You got Matthew, he's a tax collector. You got one over here, he's a, he's a zealot. I mean, he's against government altogether. You got people that are working for a living, probably thinking they're paying too much taxes. You got other people right here taking up taxes. 
And you got some men that are against government and taxes altogether. But yet when they come together at that communion table, they all came together. They ate the bread. They drank the wine. And they washed one another's feet. You know how they were able to do that? By the sweet incense of the Lord Jesus Christ and his presence being there and their mind being focused on him. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the way we come together in the house of God, and I'm not talking about compromising with the ungodliness of the world. I'm not talking about that. House of God, we should have any place of compromise with things in the world. We should labor in the truth and hold on to the truth and stand for the truth, believe the truth, declare the truth. I'm talking about those things that we have wrong with one another. I'll tell you, it's easy to look over your brother's faults. It's easy to look over your sister's faults. It's easy to come together and wash one another's feet and commune with one another and love one another when we have the presence of the Lord with us and that sweet incense that will cover up all of our bad odors. When I think about that tabernacle in the wilderness and where it was, and I think about the odor that existed there with them and the people on the outside, you know, they encamped around that tabernacle on the east and the west and the north and the south. And by the way, that was a cross. When God looked down from heaven and the way they encamped around that tabernacle, it was in a cross. And I want to tell you, the way we have fellowship one with another and communion with one another is remembering what Jesus did on the cross. That's how we have it. What he done and accomplished on the cross, that environment, if it wasn't for that incense that was burning, wow, that place would have stunk so bad. And I think about us as children of God living in this world. I'll tell you, this world stinks. This world's got a stink to it. I had a brother that called me last night, and he and I talked about the stink of this world and how it stinks. I mean, this world is getting worse and worse, and we can say this world stinks. I think about the world after the flood. You remember Noah? When God destroyed the world with water, can you just imagine how that world stunk when Moses came off that ark with all the dead bodies? I bet it stunk. But in a spiritual way, it couldn't stunk no worse than this world stinks, being separated and walking away from God. You think about Sodom and Gomorrah and the sin that exists in Sodom and Gomorrah, I bet that place stunk. There's a city up in Virginia, it's called Richmond, Virginia. God bless people that live there. I would not live there. Sister Jennifer and I, every time we go up to visit her family, I could blind, she could blindfold me, and I could tell by the smell when we got close to Richmond, Virginia. That place stunk. There's places in this world that's got a stink. This world has a stink. This world has a stench. This world is lacking honesty and, and integrity. This world is lacking people that want to follow the Lord and do what's right. Whether it's in the political world, the general world, or even the religious world, it's, it stinks. It stinks. It's getting worse and worse. And we children of God, the only way we're going to be able to live in it is being close to the Lord and enjoying the sweet incense of His presence. You know, this world is bad as it's getting. I want to tell you, if you're to keep a smile on your face, you stay close to God in that sweet incense of His presence, and it makes this world a whole lot easier to live in. I remember over in Exodus chapter 15, the children of Israel, they came to a place, it was Marah and the bitter waters of Marah, and they couldn't even drink the water. But it was God that showed Moses a tree, and Moses took that tree that was a figure and allegory and type of the cross, and he put that in that water, and that water became sweet so that they could drink. And when our mind is focused on the Lord and what he'd done for us and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life, Praise God, we're able to tolerate this world, keeping in mind that we have something better than this world in our future. Lastly, I want you to think about this. Not only did that incense get on those that's in that service, 
and you'd know they'd been in that service. The Bible says there in Psalms 141 and verse 2, let my prayer be before this incense. I want to tell you, those that's in the service of the Lord, you ain't got to guess about it. You can tell it. Somebody that's praying as they should, you don't have to go up to them and say, are you a praying man? Oh, they, they, they know it. Are you a person that's dedicated to church? No, people know it. You don't have to tell them. My daddy used to say this, if i got to tell you that I'm saved, if i got to tell you that and you can't tell by watching, watching me, he said, I'm not living right to start with. I don't have to go around and tell people I love the Lord. If I'm living the way I should, people should be able to, be able to tell it. And those individuals that was in that service, those priests, when Aaron would come out, he had that smell of incense on him. He had to go around bragging. Hey, I've been in the sanctuary with a golden altar of incense. No, they could tell it. But I'll tell you something. Those that got close to Aaron, let's say if I had that incense all over me and I was sitting here by Brother John, don't you know that's going to get off me on him? And people would be able to smell it on the person that's close to him. It not only affected them, it affected the people that's close to them. This morning, I'd like to also thank the Lord for his faithful servants that have been close to him. That not only I could tell this close to him, but it had an effect on me as well. It got on me. Now think about men like Jacob in the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 30 and verse 27. Laban confessed it. He said, the Lord has blessed me for thy sake. What is he saying? Because I was close to you, Jacob, I was blessed. I was blessed. You ever thought about Joseph? Now Potiphar and all his house, even the dungeon, Pharaoh and all Egypt was blessed just because Joseph, Joseph was there. I think about men like Brother Lane Van Hoy. I talked about someone about him this week and how Brother Lane Van Hoy was just so influential, such a servant and faithful man of God. And how not only could you tell he was faithful, but just being around him made you better. Being around him, I don't know how many times that faithful man encouraged me as a young preacher in the Lord to be better, and it encouraged me just being around him. I know many of you here remember Elder C.M. Mills. Elder C.M. Mills, I've read a lot about him. He was a man that was faithful to the Lord. Just being around him would make you better. I think about Elder Newell and Sister Pat Helms. Just being around them would make you better. And I've had people would ask me, Brother Ryder, why do you love the church so much? I love the church because it's there that I can come and serve God in peace. It's there that I find the truth of what God has given us. It's there I find the people that want to be biblically correct, not politically correct, biblically correct, be right in the Bible. And it's there I can get close to children of God who are laboring to live right in their life. And by doing that, it has an influence on me. And that incense that they enjoy in the fellowship of God gets on me, and it makes me better. Don't you know Stephanus, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the Bible said he and his family were addicted, addicted to the service of the Lord. What a precious addiction. Don't you know being around them made people better? What about people like Priscilla and Aquila? I remember the first time I met Brother Ken and Sister Ann Austin, I called them my Priscilla and Aquila. People like Priscilla and Aquila, they made people better just being around them. You know, everybody loves being around that kind of person. And I thank God for those people that walk close to the Lord. And enjoyed his presence. And that sweet incense of his presence is on them. So they get on me and make me and help me to be a better person. I thank the Lord for all he's done.
I thank the Lord for him being my sweet incense. That one day, praise the Lord, we'll be in the presence of that one that's been our sweet incense. And when we get there, it'll be even sweeter. When we get there, we're able to hug his neck and thank him for all that he's done. May God richly bless us, our prayer. If there's anyone here today that'd like to come forward and ask for a home here at Union Grove Primitive Baptist Church, if you're waiting on getting to feel fit, it ain't going to happen in yourself. God has already made you fit. This is a place where we can come together and worship.